to the Rockman Show. It's time for Rockman to give his opinions, his views, and his thoughts on life and rock. So grab a beer, buckle in, and get ready to rock. Changed myself last week. Uh, no, not last week. Two weeks ago. Fucking lost. I had fucking surgery. I think they took part of my fucking brain. I'm not sure. Could have happened. <laughs> yeah, he did. And I'm still worried about what happened back there. Are you walking straight? What do you mean? I mean... You kind of look like you just got knocked off. Yeah, I'm a little... That was weird. Yeah, because my... I'm not going to say that something happened. Or I don't know. I don't know what could have happened. But yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like I got this thing where like I'm bow-legged. Like a cowboy rider after neck surgery. So, and it's weird. When I shit, it's like I don't even feel it. So, should I be... Is there any reason for concern? No, it's totally normal. This is part of the uh, healing process. Okay, thanks, John. Thanks. I feel better now. Um, but actually, I did jinx myself a few weeks ago. I uh, was talking about relationships and how hard they are. And, you know, the feelings, the adjustments, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Um, I'm scatterbrained, people. Well, no, uh, I talked about relationships, and I wasn't talking about mine, because my girl and I, at that point, we were still good. I was talking about somebody close to me having some issues. They reconciled. All's happy. They're all good. But it makes you think, how long is this shit going to last? I was married for 26 years. The last 10 years went out the bat. And I know a lot of us have hung through marriages, hoping that they would get better. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes there's no going back. I think the key to it is not resenting each other. Once you resent your partner, that's when things go south. And I will say this to the ex-wife. There's one piece of information she gave me 
if we ever start resenting each other, we're done. And she's right. Because I resented the fuck out of her. And I think it came to the point where she resented me, but it was worse on my end. So that said, I had surgery last week. The girl and I were great. And I was actually working on mixing a podcast because we were just like hanging out and doing stuff. And uh, she was great. She took care of me, took me home to the hospital, fed me, fed me the next morning. And then we're sitting there and she gets mad. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I'm fucking bored. What are we going to do? I'm like, I just had surgery less than 24 hours ago. But I'm sure we can figure something out. Is sex out of the question? There was no laugh, no smile on her face when I said that. Because I wasn't joking either. Because it was not out of the question. If I couldn't get it up, I have certain pills that will help it get up to where she will still be satisfied. But that that, that wasn't a question. So anyway, she leaves in a huff. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? What did I do? Did I jinx myself two weeks ago saying third time's a charm? That's our joke and we're great. And then if it doesn't work out, are we going to go to number four? Maybe, maybe it's karma biting me in the ass. But I don't know. I'm sad. Uh, Your boy Ragman's a little sad because I don't know where we sit. She's not a, she'd like to talk in the phone. She likes to talk in person, but I haven't been able to see her for a week. So what do you do? You wonder, do you text her, honey, are we okay? Or do you just let it fly and just see if the conversation goes down? Or we've been together on and off for almost two years. And one of our moves is just to stop texting. Do I do that? Ladies, if you're out there, give your boy Rackman a hint. Let me know. Or... Are your panties getting so wet right now thinking that your boy Ragman's hot on the market and little Ragman's ready to play? Little Ragman's always ready to play. And that's, I do not cheat, ladies. I never have, never will. But if I'm on a break, little Ragman will get to work. So that said, welcome to the Ragman Show. Tonight's a special night. We have a great guest. We have one of the oldest fans of the show, not in age, but in dedication. And he's infiltrated the Right to Rock system, or whatever you want to call it. He's gotten in with Colin very well, and uh, he was, I think, roommates with John at one time. I still remember it. Okay. I don't even know where I came from, but I'm talking about my boy Snake. Snake. Hello. How are you? To the Ragman Show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Uh, Guys, I have to be honest, we are around too. We uh, we're experimenting with Zoom tonight, so we're seeing each other's ugly mugs. And uh, on the first experiment, we recorded well, and the second experiment, Ragman didn't hit the button. 
I hope this isn't a video cast because I can't see any women masturbating to this uh, conversation. <laughs> we hope they will. I mean, one would be fine. I mean, you know, one yeah. fan. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And if she's got a big hairy bush, yes, I'd gotta be proud. Kick of it back to the, yeah, kick it back to the seventies. Let's go. Well, let me ask you this: You're not. You're you're two years older than me. Yes. Are you a seventies bush guy, or are you like? Honey, shave that. Thing. No, I don't see, need well, the chia pet. I like the '80s. Uh, I guess the term was at least I'm sure it was everywhere. The landing strip. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, I know. Uh, after a few years of dating and like starting to date a lot of women, there was one girl that had like the '70s bush, very pretty, and I didn't think like because most girls had the landing strip or very trimmed. And I kind of didn't know what to do when I saw the first uh, afro. <laughs> I just was sort of like confused. Where does it exactly go? You know, got to sort of you yeah. know, get the machete out and try to find out where the spot is. Uh, but I don't like the bald. And you're you're a father of a daughter as well. When I see the bald, it just kind of reminds me of when I change a baby. Like, and it just doesn't seem right. Okay, what's wrong with that? Well, John, if the old expression used to be if there was grass on the infield, play ball. But you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, listen. If if it's if it's a nice looking girl, she's thrown at me. It could be bald. I'm going, I'm going in. But yeah. if if you ask if they ask me what my preference is, you know, just a little something there to break it up, you know, and yeah, I'm happy. Well, it's funny uh, in my dating experience since I've been divorced, uh, it's always been shaved. And I, I have a thing for Asian women. It's no secret. And uh, the majority of them will shave it. And I asked one, I said, hey, I like a little fur down there. And she goes, oh, gross, stink. <laughs> and I'm like, so the girl I'm with now, if we're still together, I don't know. Um, she is so sweet. She's like, okay, I'll grow something for you. But That's before nice. that, she was shaving. So she got a little patch, like a little Hitler. All right, so you know you didn't add that into the mix of the couple of breakups. That is, you know, that is a big uh, step. <laughs> that's a, that's a very sweet woman, she's, right? She's there. she's got it. Yeah, she's definitely her bar has just been raised. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, maybe you should work it out with her. With some bush tending, yes. Yeah, no, bush no tending. Yes, yes. So, no, it's weird, Steak, To be honest with you, I. Uh, this girl has gotten my heart from early on. And again, we're on our third try. Maybe we're off and we're going to look at the fourth down the road. I don't know, but she's a special person. But there are certain things in a relationship that I'm aware of that I think I could change, which I tried to work out in my, my previous marriage is like, I'm like, well, you know, that's not right, but I can make you see the light. And that's my problem. I don't know if it's yeah. the way I, rate, I was raised or whatever, but I know it's wrong in my head. And like where we're at now, I'm like, dude, there's so many things that make it to the point where maybe this isn't going to work out and you should move on at some point. But there are certain things that she brings to the table for me that she's just a wonderful person but she's got stuff that we just don't see eye to eye on. So 
I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I don't know what to do. And I think I'm in limbo, but it's weird, man. At this point where there's this, this, it's like almost like meeting somebody for the first time. And there's this on a dating app or whatever. Our relationship has gone to that the last few days where it's like, fuck, I thought we were a couple. And now it's like all this small talk bullshit to where the texting has gone from this, like a lot of texting to virtually hardly anything. Yeah. So it tells me like, fuck, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I always tend to lean to not right. I mean, we've talked before. My ex-wife was bipolar and borderline personality disorder. And I had those really got Yeah, my, I was married for 10 years. The first five were okay. You know, just typical arguing with women, but good. I won't say terrible. And after she started having children, especially my last one, I mean, she went off the rails. And I do understand women get postpartum. And she was being treated for that, but of course, being the world's foremost authority on everything, she, oh, yeah. decided, she decided to treat herself differently than what doctors did. So she never repaired. Uh, she didn't have a relationship with a parent. And you know from her, I'm always willing to bend in a relationship. I, you know, we, Everybody, even a woman, you both come in, you have your set of ideals. And if you like each other, you start whittling it down to like, all right, well, I'm not going to agree with that, but we'll let it go, and vice versa. Um, with somebody with that condition, there is nothing that they do wrong ever. I mean, you can get them on videotape doing a crime, and they're looking right up at the camera and then say, that's you. And they will sit there and look at you. That's not me. I didn't do that. You know, and yeah. that, that's a little bit of an example. But you know from Perth, no matter what it is in the relationship, there's not one percent that's their fault yeah. it's yours and you're constantly walking on eggshells and i walked on eggshells because i had my daughters yeah so and i didn't want to lose my daughters so i had to help i kind of she was having trouble with her parents so i kind of was sending them stuff of what she was texting kind of nasty shit she was sending me and all kind of and then they ended up backing me with the divorce so i ended up getting my daughters thank god but good for you so I, you know, but I stayed definitely three years too long, but it was for them. So for me, uh, new relationships have always been, you know, right away things I'm not going to accept at all. And, you know, other things like the, the woman I'm with now that I ended up marrying, uh, we, you know, we had some bumps in her in the beginning because she was never a parent. And oh, she came okay. from a, she was from Romania, so they're very strict the parents i think the parents were abusive not really so much strict so there was a lot that she wasn't used to as you're a parent you can't have every everything can't be ahead especially right. with a teenager you say your piece and you hope that they make the right decision uh so there was a little bumps in the road for a while but now her and my daughter are super close uh, she doesn't my daughter doesn't have a relationship with her mother anymore so she's got a quasi mother and uh, now me taking over the house for two weeks while she's back home visiting my daughter's like, when's she coming home? Because it's back to me burning toast and, you know. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Snake, I could fly up and uh, I could be your personal chef and uh, it would cost you some money, so. Yeah, well, we have a spare bedroom, but I'd have to put a lock and lock you in. I'll keep okay, my dog away from you. No, <laughs> Don't get him started. You know not to bait him. I know. You can't debate him. <laughs> well, hey, uh, 
talking life, let's talk some music. Yes. Let's play something. How about some new winger? Yes. And this one is called Tears of Blood. <laughs> Desperado, not my favorite. Well, I will tell you this. There's um it starts off kind of boring, and then right as they're going into the verses, there's a cool little riff underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh that I just like, well, that's pretty cool. And it's, a, it's the song's okay. I think the production's a little muffled. I don't like the production so much. But when the second single came out, the ballad, uh, I was like, fuck, yes. And then Rev Solo in that is so amazing. Yeah, that's that's a, even the video you could just see how yeah. that's a really tactical song for them, and that's you know, and, and of course they got the bad uh, rap from uh, Beavis and Butthead, the kid back right. in the day, which I always thought was unfair. I thought their '80s albums were better than most of the fray. You know, it was still in that same vein as like your Poisons, and but I thought there was a little more to them. But I like this album. I, you know, I haven't played the whole thing. I just listened to those two and uh, Tears of Blood that you mentioned. I went to the first three songs, Heaven's Falling, and I played that last song, obviously, a few times. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool. And uh, I we had talked about uh, Extreme, another kind of classic band, but uh, a longer hiatus for putting out new music, coming out with this new record. At first, I didn't like Rise that much, but the more I hear it, the more I like it. And then that solo by Nuno is amazing. Some people are like, ah, it's not great, it's okay. But if you really listen to it, there's like an homage to Eddie Van Halen in there, which every time I hear it, it's like, fuck, this is so cool. And yeah, it's not stuff he was doing on porno. It's like stuff he was doing on porno, pornography, but it's not, maybe it's flashy, but it's still great. It's very flashy, but... I don't know. People are banging on us. Like, ah, it's not that great. It's like, I think it's awesome. There's not a lot of guys doing shit like that right now in that style of music still. So I think it's a good solo. Yeah. Now, and again, I've said this before to even to you and to other people. When you, any of these legacy bands, we'll just call them that, come out with a new album. 
if you hear wing or extreme extreme the first thing you think of is porno graffiti yeah and you, and then you would say decadent dance and more than words like two you know polar opposite type songs winger you got your tracks so i think sometimes you're expecting the same thing um i do know what frontiers when they signed the legacy acts then with winger you know they wanted to be a winger album and actually um i heard this from another podcast uh actually the classic metal show the, the guy neely's friends with don dockin and um he said to him you know because he winger likes to do other things like orchestration and yeah jazzier stuff and he said basically you just do a winger out and you know under if don't use winger you know these guys will pay you money to put in an album that sounds like winger you can you know grow up on it but you can uh, it has to sound like Wing, and then you do solo albums if you want to go do a jazz fusion album or something like that. So I think you know, Kip definitely. Uh, this is definitely a solid album, no, no doubt. I don't know where it ranks yet. I want to listen to it a few times. Well, I wonder uh, this, and I've talked to a few guys about this too. Is I think they want the one hit that sounds like classic Winger or whatever band warrants. You use bands from the '80s, like you said, kind of those old school bands that were like huge in the late eighties, early nineties, stuff like that for grunge killer, everything. Um, I think they're like, give a little bit of more leeway in the beginning. I think it was like, no, we want in the heart of the young. Okay. Do that. And we'll pay you money to do it. I think at this point, I think that they're like, we'll write a little bit of that and then do your own thing. No, no, I don't. And I don't think when now, when you see a lot of these bands like that, it's so far off even though they have a couple of songs that'll be very familiar, the rest of the stuff is kind of in the same vein. Yeah, same, yeah. Right? So it's not like you go from, from, you know, like Proud Desperado to like a jazz song. Then you would be like, right. what the fuck just happened to this album? Well, I think Winger 4 was their most experimental record that they ever did. Uh, and it was kind of funny as you were talking about Winger a little bit ago. Uh, I remember when Pool came out, and I thought that Pole was heavier than the Black record. And I've said that on the show several years. And you think about it, if you hear Junkyard Dog. Metallica was doing at the time, where Metallica was huge, thrash band, heavy, and, and then they dialed it back with an average record. I know a lot of people jerk off to the Black Album. I don't. I'm not one. But, shit, I was like, when 
I guess Beavis and Butthead were making fun of Uyghur. I was like, dude, they're better than Metallica now. So I get two different styles, but actually Metallica kind of morphed into more of a mainstream act at that point, And they weren't this fierce metallic thrash band anymore. Yeah, well, if you notice a lot of the 80s bands when they were coming into the 90s, uh, and I'll just cite what you just said, Winger, Warrant's another one. And uh, I can't think, I'm trying to think of the third one. But their first albums, oh, Poison for is another 30. Their first album, very glamish, you know, the typical 80s pop. The second album was a little less, the songs were a little tighter, the production was better, whether it's a Cherry Pie or, because it had yeah. some deep, Uncle Tom's Cabin was a good song, like a oh, deep yeah. song. The second Winger album was bigger than the first, and and even Warrant, the second one, was good. Then when they got to their third album, even Warrant, Dog Eat Dog, that's a heavy album, Machine Yeah, guy. it is. with all the hair and all the makeup they kind of yeah i think they kind of all those three bands were hoping if grunge didn't come around that they did the glam to get on the scene because that's what they wanted the companies and then they sort of transitioned to like regular rock bands so i that's why i say wing of pullers are a really good uh, that's a great album Just, agreed well i think it's interesting too uh, like i think you hit the nail on the head i think the first record was the record they got signed with so that's usually going to be the best record. And I'll, I'll take it a step further with like a band like King Cobra, where their first record was heavy. And then the record company said, no, this is popular now. So you're doing this. And it killed the band, basically. Uh, with those bands, it maybe broke a bit later because King Cobra broke, I want to say, 84, 85 with Ready to Strike. And then I think Night Ranger was on Midnight Madness. So the music was still kind of rocking. Yeah. And then after that, it was like, oh, no, this is popular. So you got to do this. And it was a nail for a lot of those bands that had so much potential. Icon being another one. Yeah. Uh, But it's kind of weird with the bands that broke a little bit later in the 80s. There was a trend because remember, late 80s, thrash took off. You start having Testament, 87, 88. Those bands are starting to break. Look at Skid Rose for a trick. 
there was more hair metalish, and then Slave to the Grind was they got harder heavy. and harder. Yeah, yeah. So that it's funny how all these bands morph into uh, these different styles of music. I mean, even look at Kiss, where Kiss was a solid rock band. They got heavy early '80s, and then stayed fairly kind of heavy, and then got glammy as that went, and then more rocky. They didn't get heavy like on Hot in the Shade. That wasn't like a heavier like return yeah. to heavy for them. It was more like rock record, almost like they went back to the roots. And then they come out with Revenge. It's super heavy. Grunge hits, and then they have Carnival of Souls. They try to go grungy. Yeah, they all tried that. Yeah, one or two songs are good. I mean, Warrant, classic example of that, too. Trying to go uh, grungy, but I don't know. It's kind of weird how they, the evolution of these styles. And I, I like that bands, when they change and they do different stuff, I don't want the same record over and over and over again, but I don't want you to get too far removed from what I'd like you for. Yeah, you, know? you want to. Yeah, you want to be able to know it's them when you turn it on, you know. And then you don't care. You'll listen. You'll sit down and do a deep dive. Listen, you know, kids today don't do that. They just kind of. My daughter listens to half a song and hits to the next song. They don't sit down and absorb it like we do. So you'll, right? You know, you're gonna listen, and as long as it has the voice and the guitar going on, you'll accept the little changes in the growing up. Well, Snake, I'm thirsty. Okay. That calls for Mr. G. Mr. G. Hold on, uh, Gladys. Gladys, send someone for John, please. I don't well, know. Gladys is still alive. She's alive. Yes, she she's back from the. She was in the hospital for a while, right? In intensive care, and we thought she was going to go to hospice, and then she miraculously kind of got a little bit better. So she's maybe back in were, the uh, studio now. So maybe they just sent you another old lady. That's you know. Yeah, I okay. never saw Gladys, so this one could be. <laughs> A different Gladys. Correct. But so, all right, let's pour this bad boy. I'm excited about this one. I've had it once before, but it's aged. So, pretty excited about this guy. This is from one of my favorite breweries in Houston, the Spindle Tap Brewery. Uh, this one is called Stereo Chemistry 3, Volume 3. So, if I can get the monkey lamp to help me here, uh, hold on. My fucking eyes are horrible over here. So, music for your mouth. Cryo Hop, Sabro, Citra, and Moteca. 8% ABV. Fuck me. Someone could get fucked up. So, anyway, uh, 
the can's pretty cool. It's almost like an old style like a jukebox, but with like beer symbols on it and stuff like that. And chemistry. It's like I failed chemistry, but uh, no, it looks pretty cool. Um, let's rate the artwork. Would I go? I'd probably go four with that. What do you think, Snake? Yeah, that's an. I like that label. That would different. make you look. Yeah, I mean, it's not sure. the best label, but it would definitely make you look because you, you want to see what's going on with it. Because it's got that old school, like, 80s jukebox thing on it, too, oh, yeah. which I'm a fan of. So, growing up in that era. So, anyway, uh, let's look at this bad boy. This fucker's beautiful. Very like, hazy. The monkey's like, I ain't getting in there. Uh, he's trying to, but it's like, almost looks like pineapple juice. Or an orange juice. Uh, there's a little bit of head, a lot of lacing. Lacing just sticking on that glass. So, uh, appearance for me is four. Let's take and the uh, aroma. And that's your style, so. Yes. Oh, God, dude. You back a cab? Maybe, sir. I could have liked it. No, dude, that's a, figuratively. I'm not going to pull my dick out and start jerking off. I got it. It's natural, but guys, Snake wants to see anyway. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't want to see that. No. Liar. <laughs> uh, okay, so I hit the button again. It just, there's like a delay. It's like the zoom. It times yeah. out, and then he can start talking again. Yes. So, for me, appearance is a four. So, i starting to see where this is going to go. So, raise your beers. Clink this bitch. Mm. Oh, shit. Rich, creamy, very dank on the back end. Very bitter, dank. But I got my coconut. So several hops are tropical coconut type hop. They give you that taste of coconut, which I love. Yeah. I love it in my beer. It's really rich, really full, um, but really dank. So citrus with coconut and dank and like a bitter grapefruit peel on the back end. John! Hit the horn, sir. Good Hmm. That deserves a song. Snake, what you feeling? Okay. Uh, this band is called Mantric Momentum. And this is what we get that way. And the song is in the heart of the broken. And this is Ronnie Monroe, who used to sing with um, Metal Church. Uh, this was an album he did for Frontiers. It's basically just him, and I, it's probably that... I'm the Haldro Del Vecchio guy writing with him on this, but yeah, that it's a solid metal up. Yeah, he, the guy's like a genius. The, the amount of songs that he writes is incredible. All right, let's do it.
Yeah, Ronnie's got a good. He's got a good voice. I, I've heard some stuff with him with uh, Metal Church. Yeah, I want to say he's done some other stuff too that I've heard. Uh, but now we see with uh, Vicious Rumors. Uh, yeah, Vicious, which, that's the new one. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see them. They were in town when I was out of town, so it was unfortunate I missed them. I don't know if you're a big Vicious Rumors fan, but they were doing the Atlantic Gears tour. You know what's so funny about them is, and he said it in another interview, when I saw the name Vicious Rumors in record stores, for some reason, and he said kind of the same thing, I thought it was a new wave band. (laughs) For some reason, the name just hearkened me to, oh, that's like Depeche Mode or something like that. And I think with Spotify and stuff like that, I saw it. And I, I put it on, and I was like, "Oh wait, this is metal. This is not." Yeah. Uh, and he said too, a lot of people would with the name would were always confused. Really, that's uh, interesting. The other, and the other album he just came out with, just if anybody cares, it's called Monroe's Thunder, and the album is called The Black Watch. Oh, nice. And, and he's supposedly Scottish. He said in an interview, so a lot of this is. Uh, that kind of theme, uh, you know, era, that kind of stuff. So I gave it one spin. I haven't listened to it a second time yet, but I liked it. It was good. How about some classic Bishop Shermers? How about World Church? All right. Let's do it. Classic Vicious Rumors, uh, such a great band. It's a shame that the original vocalist uh, passed away so soon, way too soon. It'd be interesting if he were still alive and they were still a band, you know, or together, whatever, you know. Uh, But so many guys get taken away so soon, which is sad. And it bums me out because you always wonder what, what, what if, what would it be? if Randy Rhodes was arrived or Jimi Hendrix or John Lennon or whatever. And then something we talked about a while back was AI where you can like say, I want John Lennon with Randy Rhodes on guitar, 
and all these people alive or dead and it will like create this song it'd be kind of interesting to hear how this stuff would go i wonder if bands are going to use ai themselves now the new metallica sounds pretty good but let's say you're a band like that that people said your last few albums are flat what well, you get the ai and say okay I, we want to make another metallica record we want the short and sweet of the black album the songs were more compact not drawn out but sort of master of puppets and the ai is going to spit out songs for you i wonder if a lot of these bands will start cheating now that is a good point man i've never thought about that because i know people in college and the college kids are like hey i uh i'm writing a paper ai and then it's gonna write the paper then i'm gonna put it in my own words yeah did you just I crack did. a beer yes i did let's talk about that real fast okay. so we're gonna okay. take a Very break quick. with the song this is a, a local brewery uh greenpoint harbor brewery this is the Haas pilsner nice it's a, a german style lager it's a 4.9 apv uh you know simple out here not the greatest of labels but you know, it I is like it's it a little cabin up there, with but the... it's got a, it's got like a decent head on it. Uh, yeah, it does have some lacing. I've had this before. It's got a little bit of the, like the lemon taste, a little bitter, more bitter than other things that I had. But this is one of the ones when I go out to this brewery, I grab. So I'm going to say with this a three. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You know, because the color is what it is. It's a light, a lighter beer. It's not, yeah. Good, you know, so I say, I tell you what. We drink another beer. Let's play a song. Okay. It, it's your pick, my friend. Okay. Uh, again, I hate to always go to Frontiers, but I was listening to this today. It's a band called the Korean About Us, and the song is called Right Now. It's a very poppy, like rock song. It's you know, I I like it. I think it's it's and it's actually one of their top three songs, Frontiers, for the uh, played. They just came out with a list of what they're top whatever were and it was a top three so the band is called about us i believe they're south korean and the song is called right now let's do it
dude, play some great music tonight. We love music, but we love life too. We love living. We're guys. We like living as men in this world. And, uh, you know, I talked that, you know, got to think for Asian girls. You know, out of, and you've been divorced, you've been remarried, uh, not, haven't done that yet, have not crossed that line, but I've got to think for Asian girls. And there was a myth that Asian women had slanted pussy. Wow. So went down the banister, you heard, you know. <laughs> so they don't. I hate to tell you that. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. Thank God for Asian men. They make me look hungry. <laughs> so, no. It, I mean, seriously, seriously. So no, I have it. I have the yellow fever. They call it. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. I've always had it. I mean. It's kind of interesting. I met a girl prior to getting married, and she was so fun. And I think she was Vietnamese, and just a good girl, fun girl. And uh, then I met my ex-wife that was Caucasian and Italian, and uh, we were married for a long time. So when we were together, she would say, oh, God, Asian women are so gross. I'm like, back in my head, I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. I know what I know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right, honey. You're right. I was one of those guys. I was a yes man. Yeah. Well, because you, you kind of got to do that in marriage, but I took it to a level to where I was a pussy. I should have stood up for myself more. But then we had the kid. I'm like, I don't. Uh, and I basically, I think it came down to I don't want to fucking deal with the argument. I'm just tired. I was, whatever you say. Oh yeah, yeah, honey, you're right. You're right. And just yeah. avoid that shit. And then I found out since I've been divorced, I'm never doing that again. Fuck that. You know, it's it's easier just to be honest with your opinion and say, I mean, not over something like that stupid, but anything in a marriage. You, I think honesty is the best policy. And it's like, oh, what are you talking about? No, seriously. Lying, little white lies, whatever. Dude, just tell the fucking truth. If it hurts you, you're not pissed off. Fuck off. Get out of here. I don't need you. So it is what it is. Rather than myself, I was always trying to be the peacekeeper. I was like, well, if I tell this one little white lie, just to keep the peace, so be it. Or if I don't agree with what she's saying, so be it. I just don't want to deal with the nonsense. Yes. But it, it turns into a problem later on. Well, again, our, our wives had the same thing. So... It's not just like your normal argument with a woman uh, or just as a couple when you argue. With them, it's there's no way you're going to be right, as I said. You could have evidence, right. that, you know, FBI detectives, forensic scientists, and they're still going to look at everybody and say, it's not me. So you do, I did what you did. Sometimes it's just not worth it. Right. Even though I could prove myself, it, it's just not worth it. Not worth the headache at all. So... Let's talk Molly Crew. Let's talk yes. about all the drama. And I tell you what, I'll, I'll morph that in with Kiss. There's drama in those two old school bands. I've talked about this on the show, but it'd be interesting to get another opinion on it as far as what's going on in both groups. So 1B Motley Crew, Mick Morris is basically ousted when he thought he was just retiring from touring. Apparently he's been kicked out of the band and they're going to fuck him over uh, and try to pay him off. 
And then on the other side, you have Kiss fighting with Ace Freely about wanting to be... He says he doesn't want to be on the final shows, which he does, or he wouldn't be talking about it. And Ace... I mean, Gene and Paul are basically saying, you can't play anymore, so we don't want you. We'll sound like shit. Blah, blah, blah. So let's talk about Crew first. I'm not a huge John 5 guy. I think that... He's an adequate guitar player. A lot of people jerk off over him, think he's fucking the bomb. Uh, the stuff I've heard, I haven't been really impressed with. And he's played with bands like Manson and uh, Rob Zombie. He did play, I think, on a David Lee Roth record, the one with Betty Page on the cover. Yeah, she's my machine, I think. Yeah, and the guy's good. Is he great? Is he Steve Vai? Is he John Petrucci? Eve, no, he's not or Red Beats or George Lentz. He doesn't do it to me. He's like, uh, I'm not gonna say he's a ripoff of great guitar players, but he's just average to me. He doesn't, there's nothing he does in his sound that's like, fuck, that guy's so awesome. Will he do Inject New Life and Crew? Potentially, yes. But I thought Mick still did the job on tour last year. Who knows if it was tracks or not? I mean, Hearing Vince sing, he wasn't on tracks. Was the rest of the band, maybe. I think a lot of bands are using click tracks to stay with the lights and stuff like that now. But, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm t- so tired of this, is it real or is it Memorex type shit going on? I know it's a, an old school term, but basically, guys, if you don't know Memorex, it, it was a cassette tape. It was a tape where you could like, fake shit like Millie Vanilli and people like that but what are your thoughts on this man what I mean on both sides like the yeah. whole Motley Crue and the Kiss thing well as far as uh, backing tracks go uh, and I'll just go with Kiss quick because it's the quicker of the two they a lot of these bands do uh, was it you somebody was interviewing Gary Corbin the, the um, that I was listening to uh, the keyboard player and they would go in the back prior. Oh, Thank you, Rob. Great contact. That was not right, man. Okay. There must be some other great... Uh, you don't talk about other podcasts. I'm the right man. I'm just saying. Uh, well, I'm sorry, John. Podcast. I'll just say interview that I heard. How's that, John? With uh, Ronald or Colin? Ronald. He definitely got the scoop. I guess it did. <laughs> Fucking red-headed motherfucker. John, calm down. I know that McCheese, I know Colin and Ronald don't get along anymore. No, it's, it's over. That's another story for another time. That's a 40-hour, four-hour podcast in itself. <laughs> easy, <laughs> easy. But, uh, you know, they used to sing certain backups and harmonies, and they would record them backstage, and Gary Corbett would be able to, at the certain part, hit a key. Oh yeah, and and that part would come in. So it wasn't maybe live so much in that moment, but it was a live vocal. They didn't pull it from the, the studio album and just played it. So that you get away with. And also, uh, you know, they're talking about four piece and bands that are old. And Kiss is very methodical about having everything together. I think they're so wrong about Ace. Uh, he could still play. That's a crock of shit. I mean, Gene. I read all four of their bios. Peter Chris is a total dick and self-destructive. Ace admits that he was a disaster, alcoholic. I don't know why those two guys that have stayed sober and have to keep poking the bear, so to say. 
yeah. if you're really going out this time, you could sell those tickets triple if you bring out Bruce Kulick to do two songs off of yeah. his era, and then bring out Ace, have Tommy step aside, have Ace come out in the makeup, or without whatever he decides he feels like doing, and doing a couple of his songs. Even if you want to pay Peter to come and see, sing Death, I mean, if you're really going out, those guys can make a payday, and yeah. it won't tap. And it's the same with Mot uh, Motley Crue. You can keep Mick on the payroll. Uh, John Five is salaried. You bump up the ticket prices three bucks across the whole tour. You, you're paying John Five salary. Mick is getting his salary, and you don't look like a bunch of assholes. And as kids, we looked up to these guys, and now we yeah. see that they're just a bunch of fucking idiots. Exactly, exactly. So what do you think about Vinny? I mean, there was talk, Doc McGee said, the last two shows in Madison Square Garden is going to be special. So there was talk that Vinny Vincent would come out for a few songs, not that he or she can play anymore. And then Bruce, uh, Kulik, and AC Peter, right? So I agree with you. I think, and I thought too, I was like, fuck, if they put that on Blu-ray, I would fucking buy the fuck out of that just to have it because i'm not going to go to new york to go see this i'd love to but and you could pay per view that night that last yeah. night yeah like so you, you said, can't come to new york like you'll pay per view it right and i would i i fucking would for something like that even yeah. though i don't think kiss sounds like right anymore live my friend lee was like dude you hadn't seen him live but i i saw one howard stern which is a little bit more stripped down yeah. They sound like shit. They did well, not Paul's sound voice like... is shot. I mean, I've seen Kiss about 10 times from the 80s in, into the, the original reunion. Uh, and there was in the 80s, uh, Gene Simmons was disconnected from the band. Right. Paul did all the heavy lifting. And his, and I, the, the times that I saw him, he was hitting those notes. And, you know, he's 70 years old as well. So right. he blew out his voice. The only reason why people break his balls is he goes used to go on and say, I never use tapes. We did. Anybody uses a tape is a phony. But I wish these bands would do something and Kiss could have other people in makeup. I always go to the Stones or even Bon Jovi, though, the last tour, he sounds horrific himself. But they have, and the Eagles, they have other musicians on stage. Henley has another drummer. So if Henley can play drums on one song, great. He's 70 something. He'll play the bongos, and the other guy does the stuff. If Keith Richards is playing and hitting 10% of the notes, there's another guy hitting it, but you're there to right. see Keith Richards. But you also know it's live. These other guys are picking, doing some of the heavy lifting. So I don't know why. I mean, Kiss and Motley Crue could have, like when I saw Wasp, yeah, he, he's not going to be able to afford three other guys on stage, or that's going right. to cut into what he wants to make. So I get it. But a Kiss or a Motley Crue, they used to have the two girls singing. You could have other people up there if someone's not. Oh, dude, and I read the other day that they're fucking fake. It's tapes. Really? And John Five was like, well, they're kicking around. They're running around the stage. There's no way they can sing like that. I was like, then what's the point? Why do That's you need the them on stage? For the hot chicks up there? Okay, great. I'm not watching them. I mean... I'm watching the band, the guys that created the music. And yeah. I was like, oh, to fucking get rid of them. I mean, I used to get, I got irritated when they brought the chicks on stage. Not that, I'm, I love to look at the beautiful women, but I'm there to see about the crew, four guys. Yeah. I don't need the hot chicks. 
they can talk all the smut and all that stuff. Uh, you're a teenager, young, young and dumb and full of cum, and you're like, oh, there's the coolest motherfuckers out there. But if they were, if the girl's going to be out there now helping with the vocals, great. Uh, Docket, for instance, uh, I saw them in Hollywood, I guess two years ago now, or a year and a half, and Don can't hit any of the notes, no. the high notes anymore. The bass player guy was singing all the high notes, but it was organic, it was real. Yeah. So I talked to Lee, we were talking about this earlier today, where let's just be organic. Fuck the click tracks, for, fuck technology, give me a real show. And if you're done, you're done. Just be done with it. Just stop touring. You made your money. You're fine. You're going to live like a great see, life. But I would like to see some of these guys, and I know maybe promoters won't go for it, but the fans would still want to see, let's say, a docket. I always look back at the uh, have the DVD, uh, Scorpion's Acoustica. Yeah. Which to me is like one of my favorite uh, things. They're in a, they have more other musicians up there. It is semi-acoustic where there is some electric guitar but this if they're in a laid-back atmosphere and since it's not a wall of amplifiers klaus is not trying to scream over these amplifiers and the songs sound just as good if you can ever even youtube some of the songs on that dawkins still has a good voice but he definitely cannot project anymore no and and you've got to down tune and eric martin and i talked about this several times where they have to down tune for his voice because he can't hit some of those notes. He's like, what the fuck was I thinking back then? But he didn't think he'd be in his 60s singing those songs still, probably. And also it depends on... Yeah, and it also depends on who you have. Like, again, like I saw uh, John Payne's agent, which was the guy that replaced Wetton in the 90s, Yeah. uh, with Lou Graham. And he did the the Asia songs, Payne Live, and he sounds identical to Wetton Live. And then Lou Graham used them as the backup band, but he had John Payne's high parts, like you were just saying with Dokken, which like, you know, and Lou Graham, is, his voice has improved. When he first tried to sing in 07 after his brain tumor, it was painful yeah. to watch. But now he sounds good. And I met him in the, he's really messed up. I met him in the hallway, like when we were checking out. He's really a tiny guy and he's got definitely osteoporosis because he's kind of like hunched over. But oh, he did. He sounded good, but those like feels like the first time the other guy's doing. It sounds like the record where they were doubling Lou's vocals, but there was like the low part and then the higher part that Lou was singing on an album. And that's what a lot of these guys, I think, if they're gonna go out, they have to have somebody else out there that could do it. I think Don's problem is Don was, and he sounds dismal now when you look at stuff. Even oh yeah, yeah. A, I think he's. Uh, from his surgery because he had a bad arm. He lost like feeling in his arm. He's probably on a lot of pain meds and he does like his whiskey. So, you know, if you're on pain meds because of being in pain, like one drink knocks you out. Yeah. So I would just rather see him do like a semi-acoustic storyfellas type of thing. And you can have drums. It doesn't have to be a full bombastic thing. And it's going to sound, I think it's going to sound good. And his voice, it's going to be harmonic because when he talks, he's not gravelly yet. Yeah. Yeah, and when he when they play live, it's just very low. And then, like I said, the uh, is it Barry Sparks, the bass player for them? Chris Car- uh, Chris Carvel, I think it is. Chris, Chris? Okay, yeah. And it's just like he's seeing the high notes. I'm like, okay. But I went there. I saw Lynch played with them for like three songs. I'm like, it's fucking cool. 
but I wasn't super impressed. Like, if they come now, if unless they come with Lynch, I'm not going. Yeah, and I saw them many in the early 90s. The Metal Edge Rock Never Stops tour, I saw them. Yeah, I and saw they that still, too. They were still good. That was when um, Karabi was singing for, not Karabi, was, no, uh, Jizzy Pearl was singing for Rat. And John yes, Karabi was playing I saw guitar. That. He was playing yeah. guitar in that band. And then wild. Ralph Sinise, Michael Starr, was singing for L.A. Guns. Yeah, and then uh, who was and then Ripper was singing for Priest because from where I yeah. was, Priest was the headliner. It was Ripper. Oh, nice! I saw that. I saw that tour too. That's a uh, tour. Demo, was it Demolition or something like that? I think that was the name of the record. Oh, oh, oh! Yes, one was uh, Demolition, and uh, yeah, Demolition. I, there was another one. Junkalita was the other one. I tell you what, let's do something all Demolition. Okay. How about this dealer choice? Let's do it. All right. back to kiss today because i i saw something that irritated me and there's the whole thing about uh tommy thayer and eric singer taking the persona of the cat and the spaceman okay is what it is but it's weird i don't want to pick on the guy because i think he's a nice guy but he's really trying to turn into peter chris is eric singer if you see the pictures He's dressed like Peter Chris was back in the 70s with the hat and the glasses. And I'm like, dude, really? Yeah, I mean, stage. and then he was wearing his shirt, the asylum cover, or not cover, I think the back cover, with just Gene and Paul, Bruce Kulick, and Eric Carr airbrushed out. And Bruce Kulick was in the photo. I'm like, 
this is fucking sacrilege. Yeah, that's kind of What the icky. fuck, man? And, and Bruce to be there in that photo? I would have said, fuck you, dude. Take that fucking shirt off. Yeah, I'm surprised because Eric Singh has always been one of these guys. What, he played a little with Sabbath, Lita Ford, and so he was always a good Badlands. coach. Got Badlands, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, so to land a gig with Kiss is phenomenal. He's been at 20. He's got to get at least 25000 per show because that's what they would give. You know, he's got to be getting a number up there all yeah. these years. And so he's made his bank. But again, at the end of the day, you have to know you're not an original member. And I, pre I think he's a far superior drummer. Anybody who's a far superior drummer. He's a great drummer, yeah. But my thing is, is Kiss also missed the wagon, too. As part of their personas when they got Vinnie Vincent or even Eric Carr was to create this new character, this new persona. Yeah. And that was part of like, oh, at 12 o'clock tonight, they're going to you know who, the, who their new drummer is and what his thing is. Now, I know Ace still makes money because he never gave away his rights to his makeup. Whereas oh, Peter Chris signed Peter every, did. Yeah, yeah. Peter gave away everything, which I'm surprised he didn't sue, but that's why I don't believe him because he was in, we have a, he was in New York and we have out here on Long Island South Oaks, which is a sanitarium. And he said a lawyer came to him then when he was he checked himself in for rehab and that that's when he signed everything away and he was mad that they made money. And I'm saying to myself, a brand new lawyer would overturn that signature because you're in for drug addiction. Right. And they clearly took advantage. But so, so I think eh, that's not a true story. But Ace still gets money every time he puts on the makeup and they perform. So, he, you know, he could probably sit home and make an, a good average man's living. Yeah. You know, as long as they tour. But they should have just, you know, and I think Thayer's was, I liked his stuff in black and blue. I think he's a solid play. He was a guy that they trusted. He was a company guy. He was like Gene's assistant. He helped produce them, do their books. He did a lot for them. Uh, but I think they should have, it, it's not fair to those two guys also. Right. You know, even though people like, ah, Peter Chris, like I thought Eric Carr was a superior drummer. He was like that thunderous drums. With him. Oh, dude, Eric Carr was amazing. He was really a great drummer. And I wonder if they would have fucked him like they fucked, like say Bruce Kulik, for instance. You know, why didn't they ask Bruce to come in and take over the ace roll and the makeup or whatever? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think they would have fucked Eric Carr too. Somewhere down the line, I'm sure. And I, and they make so much money. It's, it's again, it's sad when you see, I was a huge Paul Stanley fan and I still like the music. But when you think about it, you have all that money and you're so, so petty worrying yeah. about a guy like Ace Freely. You should actually be proud of the guy. The guy hasn't drank in 15 fucking years. And he actually, you may like or hate the albums, but he puts out albums fairly regular and yeah. tours fairly regular. So, you know, he sounds punch drunk, but that's what happens when you like, you know, or that were that messed up, you don't, you know, kind of have that voice. You always had that squeaky voice anyway. Right. But I think they would have been better off just creating two new characters. Uh, they did it with Vinnie Vincent, you know, which was pretty cool, but that was, you know, nobody really paid too much attention because that was sort of Kiss was fading out. Well, let me ask you this, it, just out of curiosity, because I'm a huge Vinnie Vincent 80s guy when he was playing, even the Invasion stuff like that. I love yeah. that stuff. Um, but what he injected in the band, even though I don't know how much he played on Creatures, but the stuff he did with Lick It Up, bringing them back, he's a, 
I guess, a fucked up dude and greedy and stuff like that. Like, Gene and Paul are greedy, too. But they built it, so Vinny should have backed off. Had he had a light or a better head, he would have probably been in the band until the reunion, and they got fucked. Well, you know, people don't realize all the other stuff he wrote. Like, he wrote a hit for John Waite called Tears. Yeah. Now, I love Tears. He wrote with the Bengals, too. Uh, John Waits version is poppy. If you go on YouTube and put in Vinnie Vincent tears, he sings it as a ballad, and it, as the demo, it's fucking drop dead. He wanted to kind of open up a little bit, and Kiss was very formulated, and they didn't like that with their tours. Which I mean, you got this guy as a shredder. You should let him. All right. Yeah. You can't do what you did in the Invasion. Go on for twenty minutes. Yeah. Stupid. But we'll let you. You could extend this song, and you could extend this song if you want a little bit. And we're going to give you a nod, and that nod means, okay, wind it down so we can get back to the, the song. That would have worked. I thought the songwriting, he's one of these guys, he made Gene songs better and Paul songs better. And two polar opposite singers, which I thought was great. Like Unholy, it's that, that a Gene song heavy. Paul's was still poppy, but they had like a power edge. Like even the three songs off Revenge, which are the Vinnie Vincent songs, are the, 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 the top songs off of that yeah. album. And they brought him back because they knew he could write songs. Yeah, absolutely. And they wanted that edge. And I, I, I've interviewed Bruce before and never asked him if that ever bothered him. So if I ever talk to him again, I might bring that up. I know it's old hat at this point. Yeah. And I think he did. we did talk a little bit about Vinny. Uh, it's been so long, I can't remember. But um, but he's his own worst enemy because even coming back... yes. I mean, clearly, I th he also wrote music for Joni Loves Chachi, I think. Really? Which I, I think that song that was their theme, and obviously that was, he was involved with that. So he had a lot of songwriting credits that maybe he still gets some sort of residuals from, mm -hmm. like with TV and, and such. But he's a guy that was his own worst enemy. Even this comeback, obviously he hasn't been playing for years. The guy, it's like if you and I picked up a guitar, ding, ding, you wouldn't know what you're doing. He's sloppy uh, as fuck. Yeah, he's not. He hasn't practiced. I don't think he has the chops. He should have taken lessons for about six months before he was looking to come back, get his fingers, get everything in shape. Yeah. So he can actually play. And I don't care if he's half dressed like a woman, whatever. It, you know, I appreciate your music. And, and, and uh, Gene took him on that uh, vault tour. I mean, he had his chance. He had his foot back in the door. You know, and he could have convinced him, hey, you guys, I know you don't think it's worth it, but why don't we do another album? Yeah. I'll write, I'll write, just pay me my fare, whatever, and I'll write with you guys. And the rest of you, you know, you can go with Tom. You know, he, if he would have taken that step back, you know, but sadly he didn't. But you, you know, I will say this, the Kiss records with Eric and Tommy were not very good. No. Uh, Modern Day Delilah is the only yeah. song I kind of like. Yeah, that's that some Sonic newer. Boom, and the and the yeah. Sonic Boom I don't like as much. The second one, um, Monster, Monster is a little better as an album. But what they did was what a lot of bands did. Kiss always kind of tried to jump on a trend. They went back and got, grabbed old pieces of songs and tried to make it sound like an old Kiss record. Yeah, and it for them it didn't work. They kind of no. they kind of moderned up. They should have just wrote new material. Go get you know Desmond Child again and help you know make some hits with you again. Oh, but they were trying to say, hey, we're going back old school. We're all going to four right together, blah blah blah. But yeah. truly, it was like stuff that was written previously. So 
again, just like a farce for the fans, but yeah. that's what they do. Should we play some Kiss? Why not? What era? Give me an era. I'm gonna go. I still like the '80s when they took the makeup off. That's my uh, my favorite. Uh, I like. It's really a heavy song. It's a Vinnie Vincent song, "Exciter" off of "Lick It Up." Perfect. I love that song. Let's do it. All right. Okay, so let's talk crew for a few minutes. Um, your thoughts on that? I, I think you said you dig John Five, uh, and you thought he might give life more, more life back might. into the crew. Uh, I think he might, but I agree with you. I don't think he's that special. I think he's an adequate player. I think his look is more, you know, with the blonde hair and. You know his look with Manson, his look with uh, Zombie. That's like his his persona. Um, I'm sure he could play the Mick Mars parts. I don't think that's complicated. No. But Mick, but Nick, you know, Mick never claimed to be complicated. He was just a hard right. rock guitar player. He was more of a blues guy. It, that's yeah. what he always, uh, I guess, touted himself as. I'm a blues guitar player, but I can play kind of heavy. Yeah. So I mean. The jury's out. I mean, I don't. Th- is it worth for them to even do a studio album unless they try to do something old school? Because if they do something that's more in the modern vein, people are not. You know, I don't think people care anyway. You know, I was shocked to hear that they were recording new music. Uh, if they go something like let's try to do something Doctor Feelgoodish or even the self-titled record, I'd be interested. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I mean, big wrote riffs those were his riffs is i've never heard anything from john five original that stood i out. said oh fuck, dude this could be fucking awesome but nikki like you said earlier is into the 6 a.m this more modern vibe which i like newer stuff but molly crew i'm thinking molly crew i don't need 6 a.m to be motley crew yeah which I think Saints kind of veered into that territory because I think that's where Nikki's head is as far as songwriting. Uh, does John steer him back to the Molly Crew of Dr. Feelgood in the classic stuff, Shout the Devil and all that stuff? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I tell you what, let's play some Crew. Okay. Why don't you we choose. play something John Karabi era off okay. Molly Crew, the self-titled? And you mentioned it a while back. Let's do a little Hooligans Holiday. All right, that sounds good. 
Let's play some crew. We played some good older school music tonight. Um, before we get back into music talk, I made an observation. And being a guy that's bollockly challenged, uh, I wear a ball cap a lot of the time. And I happened to be at a run club here recently. And there was a guy wearing a sun visor that was also follically challenged. What the fuck is the point of a fucking sun visor on a bald guy? Yeah, that's not working. It makes no sense. Look at you. You have a full head of hair. That's the only thing I have left. John, don't get fucking weird. I mean, this, it, 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 and he, he just did his hair. Was that for me, I snake? Yes. I'm trying to, you know, trying to get in with uh, Colin's number one man. Uh, you get my room ready? <laughs> Don't answer that, man. That's a loaded fucking question. Yeah, that's, that could get me in trouble. Like, and I make sure your kids I... are not around when he's, he's got restraining orders. Uh, this yeah. is true. Uh, but only in Texas, not in New York State. <laughs> so, okay. Well, he's well, safe to go there. Well, but in if, Texas... If, if my dog says anything about him being here, he might get a restraining order here, too. Well, he can't get within 20 miles of the school district here in yeah, Houston. So, so. Yeah, see, he's not... Uh, he probably wouldn't fare well here. <laughs> I don't think so, either. I don't think so, either. Well, I tell you what, uh, before we wrap up tonight, and Snake, thank you for coming on. It's been a lot of fun, my friend. Same uh, And thank you for your support over the years, man. You have been, you were like the number one fan, our first fan of the Genghis and Ragman show, reaching out to Genghis and I and being becoming a friend for shit. Who was the other, who were the other two? Because I think there was one guy that was actually ahead of me. The original I don't, two. he dropped off. Okay, he dropped. We don't remember. He's he's like a ghost of the past at this point. Well, I always Uh, said to you before that you were the first podcast that I listened to because I was confused. You know, I didn't really know what they were. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was originally listening to the classic metal show because they would get the blabbermouth or melodic rock tag on. So did you. Uh, But they would say stuff like, okay, they would, you know, close the segment. Okay, here's Rat. And then it would cut off. And I'm like, well, where the fuck is the rat song? And I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, something go wrong. And then yeah. from your show was because I saw you guys blurp on a lot of rock.com in the news. And it, it just so happened, whatever episode I listened to, you mentioned how at that time you were only allowed 30 seconds. It went up to a minute and a half. Yeah. I believe yeah. at one point. But so I said, ah, that's why. That's why I gave that show a, a second chance and listened live if you want to hear the music, so to say. But okay, now I get it. And there's been no turning back. I definitely uh, enjoyed the show over the years. You and Matt had you know, a good rapport. Uh, you know, and again, I always felt like sometimes I'd be talking to the radio, like I'm answering one of your guys' questions that you're fielding back and forth to one another, that I was part of that. I appreciate that, man. That, that means a lot. And it resonates with me because I think you made the comment to me one time. It's like, I feel like when I hear your show, I'm in the room with two of my friends and we're all talking music yep. and drinking beer. So yes. thank you so much. Appreciate You're it. Welcome, man. man. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what, let's talk Metallica. 
I don't know if you're a big Metallica fan. I'm not. Well, I was. And when I first heard them, and I've mentioned this on the show before, is Kill Em All. Didn't blow me away. Uh, Hit the Lights was a big song, but I love The Four Horsemen. Great song. Uh, Dave Mustaine fucking, unfortunately, wrote that song. He was a dick to me and my kid. And then he was nice to the kid, but a dick to me again. Yeah, he said, yeah. But, uh, no, great song, great song. Uh, but then, Ride the Lightning, I think they hit their stride. Master of Puppets, even better. It just, for all, good but not as good as the previous two records and then after that they lost me so i bet you on the show that i'm going to go see this two-day show thing so they they're going sit showed up in cities they're playing two nights two different set lists not one song repeated twice are you going do you care to go uh are you a fan i am a fan i like this new album from what i heard so far but I will say one of the things that's happened in my advancing age is I can no longer sit there for multiple, multiple bands. I just get, um, I start to check out. Um, most of the shows I've been seeing are either in small theaters, so it's one or two bands, the curfew is 11. Uh, we get a lot of free shows at the Mohegan Sun, which is our casino nice. two states away. Uh, but it's usually just like one act because they want you out gambling an hour and a half. We actually saw a show that they gave us free tickets that I give my wife credit because I know it's not her speed. It was Exodus, uh, Black Label Society, and Anthrax. Oh, fuck, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they didn't cut their set short. And, you know, Exodus they only did about maybe seven, eight songs or whatever was their, their time slot. But, like, for me, by the time... And Black Label does get repetitive I like them, but I, it's not something live. But to me, when he, by the time he got to the third band, it's like, I'm checking. I'm not enjoying it now. I'm starting to get the seats are uncomfortable. I just want to get up. Uh, we saw uh, the Foreigner show was fast because he did Asia songs, and then he did his Foreigner songs. So that was like two and a half hours. That's like my limit. So they have too many other bands. I wouldn't mind seeing the Reform Pantera if I could time to go. But, you know, Five Finger, I like a couple of songs. Too long for me, so I won't be attending that. I think it's too much. Is okay. Interesting. That's interesting because as of as we age, rockers, I will used to be. I had to be on the floor get as close as I can get. Now, if it's a venue that has seats and a balcony, that's where I go. And I have a lot of friends that are younger, and I'm like, "Hey, you guys have fun. Get in the pit. Get beat up. Do whatever you want to do. I'm gonna be up here relaxing with a beer." Or actually, the beers are so fucking expensive at uh, these venues anymore. I've gone to water. I'd go to Liquid yeah. Death, pay five bucks for that instead of seventeen dollars for a fucking yeah. IPA. Uh, but yeah, I get that. But so part of the attraction for me for Metallica was uh, the the price. I got a really good deal. My friend got a deal, got in early, so we have pretty decent seats. But they're far enough where a city cowboy stadium in Arlington. So probably watch the screen, not really the band. But I'm sitting down, seats are comfortable. If the beer's not too much of a stab, have a good time. Um, And I've gone to festivals and I'm still in the mode. I'm a little bit younger, not much, but 
still in the mode where I'm fine with it, but there are points where I get to the point where I'm like, okay, uh, it's almost 10. Are you almost done? He's in by 1030 because I'm probably ready to go home and chill out. I mean, but when we were growing up, a lot of the clubs and stuff were like, the band wouldn't come on till almost fucking midnight, the headliner. And you're like, you're like, okay, but mom and dad are going to kill me if I'm not home by this time, but I don't want to miss one song. Now it's like, eh, okay, I'm good. Bye, guys. Or if I hear my favorite songs, like, okay, anything after this is just like a bonus, and then I'll go home. So I do that with the, for the most part, I stay for the end of all shows, but the older I get, it's, if I don't have a seat, especially, it's like, I don't feel like sitting or standing up anymore, and whatever you know yeah no i have a little theater here local to me and i belong to that vip so yeah. when i in a show like i'm seeing jeff tate and i always grab this same section it's in the balcony and it's right on the front row of it it's like i put my beer up if the guy doesn't break your balls on the, oh, nice. the ledge and sit in the chair and i got an end so i don't have to fucking be in the middle like 10 other fat people like me uh but I also think, like with, with the you said, the old school. When you're younger, yeah, aside from your parents, maybe break the balls. You, it was just a different vibe. You were drinking in the park a lot. You yeah. didn't have to get up. You also have that your body is different. You can come home at three in the morning and sleep and get up at six and right, have right. a cup of coffee and you can go the whole rest of the night. And that's why I think in the '90s when grunge took over, a lot of the metal bands from the '80s were hurting themselves because they were playing Tuesday nights somewhere. But like you said, they're going on at 11. It's like, well, I got to get up at 4.30 to go to work. Yeah. I can't wait for you to fucking come on, you know, play, you know, play early. And I never understood the philosophy for the club because they usually make the bullshit opening bands sell a certain amount of tickets. Yeah. Aside from, let's say, if it's Dockin. Dockin's going to sell a certain amount of tickets. So why not have Dockin come on second at around 9 o'clock and let the, the Friends band play late because those guys are going to stay for their friends and also if you're pumped up from docking i might stay and say you know what i'm going to listen to a couple of songs from these guys maybe they were all right yeah and if they're done early enough you're like okay i'll hang out you know but i'll tell you what i saw hammerfall last night yeah and they were done by 10 30. i'm like not bad was was this a club or like a theater it was a so this this it's a venue so it's like a small theater and then they have it's called the ballroom and then next door is a studio the studio is a very small little place not a club there's like no seats it's just a bar and a stage that's it and everything's like uh same room only and it wasn't very packed which i didn't really anticipate hammerfall being totally packed but it was cool i mean i got right up I took my pictures, took video, uh, rocked out, and at 10.30, I was like, oh, good, I'm done, too. <laughs> yeah, now that's where I'm at. Like, the theater shows that I see, you know, they're, they they have to be off by 11. It's like, the, I guess, the town ordinances here yeah. um, on Long Island. And, you know, to me, 11, I get in my car, I'm home by 11.30. So I'm not going to be dragging my ass the next day. Right, right. So, so I feel like I went to the show. I contributed, you know, to my bands. I, I also enjoy the music, but yeah, two o'clock in the morning, it's it's a tough sell. Well, that was. I want to say that ended 
at the pandemic with these super late shows to where now it's more like be done by 11 or before. So a lot of the shows I see at venues in downtown where there's not like housing or anything like that, that they're going to disturb people or anything like that. And I think the bands prefer it too. It's like, well, fuck, we could be there by 1030, shower up or clean up and then go to the, hit the bar, have a few drinks and then head to the next town. Yeah. So I yeah, think I, the bands prefer it too. Oh, I'm sure they do. And I, I definitely in New York, even like Jones Beach Theater, which is out by the beach. So there's no anywhere near uh, residences there. It's your, the, the theater. It's a, it's like a, a strict 11 o'clock. You know, occasionally five after 10 after there was some glitch they let them finish. Yeah. But it's it's 11. So if you are trying to make a decision, I got work tomorrow, I, you know, I'm fucking shot. You can still do these shows. That's what I like about them. I guess when you get older, you prefer the routine of knowing. Yeah. Like when you're younger, you don't give a shit. If they play five extra songs and it goes to like 1230, you don't care. You're like, well, so man, they played five extra songs. Oh, dude, there were shows I went to back in the day that would go till one or two o'clock in the morning. And then I knew as a kid, just like, fuck, I'd be up like seven to get to work if it's the summer or whatever, or my parents could be mad. I have a curfew, I'll sneak in, blah, blah, blah. But now it's more strict on when these bands stop. And I'm sure I'll have to ask the next artist I talk to, you know, do you like that new aspect? Yeah, that would of, be an interesting take from what they think. Yeah, it'd have to be somebody like old school. Like I remember seeing Saxon and a local band, Hellstar, opened up. <coughs> the whole show was just running behind, behind, behind. And I don't think Saxon went on until like 11, 30, 12 at night. And then my ex-wife's like, we need to be home by one because I don't want you waking me up. It's going to fuck me up. I'm not going to be able to go to work, blah, blah, blah. So it's like when I was married, I was like married by my parents, right? Or, you know, evil stepmom or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, fuck, I can't see the whole show. I would have stayed, but I was like, I don't want to piss off the wife. I don't need to hear that. Like we talked about earlier in the show, just don't want to deal with that shit. But now it's like everything shuts down right around 11. Yeah, and so I love maybe it. That I was it's a, awesome. Maybe that is a residual. But as I said, with the casino shows, which is great, I saw one of the, probably my best one of uh, 20, I guess it started 22, <clears throat> was Tommy DiCarlo. He's the guy that sings for Boston. Yeah. He's the guy that worked at Home Depot, but he sounds like Brad Delton. So he had some band. He had... Uh, well, his son plays guitar, and his, his son's girlfriend played bass, and she did a lot of, she picked up the highs, the super oh, wow. highs. And, mm -hmm. it, and it was seamless the way they went, like, you know, look ahead, and she would just take the high parts. And uh, the rest of the band was like the the one guy, August, I forgot his last name, but he plays with the Dennis DeYoung and other, you know, a lot of, like, named session guys. But it was an hour and a half of Boston songs, just, like, nonstop, an hour and a half, you know, you do every song you say and 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 then you go gamble or crash out. So yeah, I'm done with the all nighters and that's why when I start seeing like four bands, like even when I saw the Anthrax one with Exodus and uh, Black Label, I was like, I wanna see all these bands, but I, I just know me by the time he gets to Anthrax, I'm gonna be like just ready to fucking go to sleep. <laughs> and not because the music sucks. And I really I did see I forced myself but you know, and I did leave a couple of songs into Anthrax because we were just, my wife and I were both shot. Yeah. You know, we 
So you're like, nah, I don't blame you for this one. Stay, yeah, and she lived through Exodus, so I gotta give her credit. Real quick, before we wrap up here, just curious, you, you said you saw Tommy DeCarlo. Whatever happened to Tom Schultz, do you know? I mean, he's like disappeared. Is he he's sort of like, a, nah, he's like, I guess like a recluse retired. I know he did an album, which which I can't believe for one of the things that he used to argue with the labels were that the reason why there's so, so much space between Boston albums was he was a, a production perfectionist. Yeah. And it's got to be ten, at least 10 years now. He did an album for Frontiers because Delph was still alive. Uh, Love, Life, and Hope. And the songs aren't terrible. Uh, his girlfriend actually sings one of them. But but um, it sounds like a demo. It sounds, oh, it really, really? It's almost like, hey, we put this together. Let's send this to Frontiers to see if they'll approve, you know, approve it. And then we'll come back and we'll polish it. Right. So it's it's a very hard listen. I'm like, how did Tom Schultz? This is his swan song. This is like, like a demo that a band would put together. Okay, you know, and then we'll go to the studio and clean it up or whatever, or redo some parts. Uh, you know, he thanked them, Tommy DeCarlo, like basically, you know, you know, 50 miles away, the guy got his start. I just don't think. I think he made his money. You know, he he was lucky to be back in a day where album sales. Yeah. And, airplay and all that kind of and this song's been in movies i'm sure oh uh, yeah so those first two boston records are fucking probably yeah. double triple platinum <laughs> oh yeah and even third stage was a huge album in 87. yeah that was a massive album but you know i guess he just made his bank and doesn't doesn't care like tommy DeCarlo doing those songs i guess he you know he i'm sure he gets a piece of it whatever they paid him the casino yeah. I'm sure he gets a percent of it. So, I, you know, sometimes you wish these guys just wouldn't call it a day, especially with that talent. And yeah. and I don't think today when they, like, Kiss is famous, we were talking about Kiss. Well, we won't do a new album because, you know, basically you're not going to make the money back and all that. Right, right, but, right. But the whole thing is, number one, you shouldn't be, it shouldn't cost you 300000 to do an album anymore. Mm. Uh, one of, a band that I believe you turned me on to many years ago, Hellstar. They're out your way, right? Yeah, yeah, they're Jamie, Houston based. What's it, James, James Rivera. James Rivera. The last album they did, the production on it is Stella, and he said he does most of it. And I, I forgot the interview. He said it would basically cost me five thousand dollars if you if I did my time. Aside from so, if Kiss is recording, you give this for five thousand dollars. So there's no reason. So even if Kiss spent twenty thousand on production and did yeah. their parts and mailed them in. Your fans worldwide will sell. You'll sell enough albums to triple, if not more, that. Oh yeah. And you're not gonna sell 10 million copies. That's over. But you'll make more than your money. So some of these guys, I just, you know, you know, they still have the talent, but they just don't bother. Jack Blade said it great when he was asked on that metal show, like, why do you still make albums when there's no money? He said, Yeah, I'm an artist. Does a painter stop painting? If even if they're not making money on their paintings, no, they still paint. So some of these guys like still have at it and they still put out new product because it's in yeah. them. And other guys, I guess, are so jaded. They're like, I don't give a fuck. Right, right. There's a lot of them. Let's play a Boston song. All right, this is a song off of the 2002 album, Corporate America, that they did. Oh, wow, and, okay. And I think it's the first song. It's called I Had a Good Time. And I think if grunge never happened and these bands you know, Boston put out something religiously. I think if this song came out right after third stage, 
it would have fit right in. Uh, it's it's really a it's tip and his guitar work in it is phenomenal. It's a typical. It's more of a poppier song and short, short and sweet. But it's uh, I. It's one of my favorite songs. It's always if, if I probably looked at my plays, it would probably be a lot. So it's, I had a good time by Boston off Corporate America. Awesome. Let's do it, little Boston. We're about to wrap up. All right. Again, it's been awesome having you on, dude. Uh, yeah, we will do this again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Man. I love it. So, uh, I'm sure you've been thinking about this all show or all day. Asians? No, I'm sorry. Ages. What is the song you want to play? So, this is a song that's currently kicking your ass that you're like, wow. I need more of that. Wow, that's going to be a tough one. See, I gotta write. See, I gotta do this my homework ahead of time. I'm trying yeah. to see what I what I just listened to. And again, uh, I was just actually listening to because, and the memories came back. Um, John Oliva. I was listening mm-hmm. to all the. I'm playing back all the old sabotage stuff. Oh, dude, and, and you could play something old school. It doesn't have to be new. Okay, so that yeah, because that's uh, now. Let me get to the album. I was listening to. Uh, gutter ballet nice I, was, I love the song when the crowds are gone and i oh that's a great song yeah and i really hope that guy i mean i know he's been on hard times i you know the last time i saw you got arrested for like a d-week but he looked horrible like drugged out and, you know, john a, john oliva yeah that's oh the shit because he kind of like disappeared i didn't know what happened well, I remember you interviewed him. And that's one of the times I was chatting with you offline, not offline, but like group, not on the site or, or email, whatever. Uh, he was a great interview because he would talk like just like we're talking. Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't just. And I remember when he did whatever the last John Oliva's pain was. That album was the last of the stuff he found of his brother's shoebox. Where he right, was, right, yeah. He and I, I interviewed him on that, and and, uh, and, he, and you even said, "Is is you know this album, blah blah blah." You, so you have any more stuff? He goes, "No, this was it." And even his voice then, he was just sounded weird. And he, and he did after that. Oliva raised the curtain, which had the same sabotage TSO yeah. vibe to it. It's a good album as well. But I just think after that, he lost that connection to the brother. And then the last couple of years with TSO, which he was a major part of, the guy Paul O'Neill, the other guy that was big with TSO, he passed, he passed away. away. Yeah. So I just think the guy, you know, I, I haven't heard that he's dead, but he didn't look good in that picture. I felt really bad. So I kind of was thinking about him the other day, and I'd be going through like their first album all the way through, and uh, when he was singing, and 
that I remember Gutter Ballet. I was like, that is just a great album because they started doing the concepts then. Gutter Ballet yeah. was a mild con, and they did Streets after that, which was much more of a concept. Yeah, oh, yeah, so they, yeah. So they found their niche there when they started doing that. So that's an awesome song. So it's not really new, but it's what I've been playing the last week. Let's do it. A little sabotage. I'm going to go a little new school. And I do want to ask you a quick question before I play this song. You've listened to the Ragman show, the solo show. We miss Genghis. We all do. Um, and he was back for what? He will be back for more. Um, what do you think of the new music that your boy Ragman has been playing? Or do you like, like, what the fuck is he doing? Or do you like any of the stuff that I've been playing that I'm into currently? Because I think it's more energetic, more fun to listen to. And these bands are more fun for me to see live because they remind me of my youth with the bands I saw growing up being hungry. Yeah. So what do you now, think about I, that? Well, normally what I used to do, but I haven't done it with this, I, I used to always take with uh, the Genghis and Ragman show, whatever songs you played it was in the show notes and make a playlist and listen to it there in the entirety. For real? I haven't That's done awesome. that with this, but there's some... There's some I like and some I don't, but I will say when it comes to music, I never just snob it. Like say, well, if yeah. he's not going to play old school metal or something like that, well, then fucking I ain't listening to it. I think you're doing yourself a disservice because some of the stuff I liked, and I probably have to go back and do that again so I can, you know, remember who was who. But and I like more of the poppier stuff. You've seen by most of my picks, I'm more. Yeah, yeah. I like I like the poppier stuff, and you had a couple of heavy heavy bands that were. I just don't like the Cookie Mats, the Growl fans. That oh, okay, okay. Like I listen to Amana more often, but well, that's I guess I'm saying it semi right. Uh, when you hear them instrumentally before they sing, it is punchy. It is like crunchy. yeah, it's like very really melodic good. and everything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the guy sings, and you're like, uh, for me, it's like uh, a good fucking deep metal voice, clean metal voice with this song. And that, again, that's my obviously. I, they're doing quite well without me, so as a fan. But I, I just like the Cookie Monster vocal. I can kind of do without. So it's very rare. Like I like James Lebrie from um, Dream Theater did that one album where he had a guy singing the heart. Or maybe yeah. it might have been him, but he was doing clean. That was like interesting. That I liked. If it's got a little clean vocal coming in, I like that as well. But 
I, I love, I listen to music and it was some things that I enjoyed. So you keep playing what you want. That's, you know, when, when you do a show with Matt, then you go back maybe more traditional. Well, I will say this, it's been interesting for me and in that the first shows I was doing solo, that I was playing a lot of this newer stuff that I was into. And it was stuff that maybe Genghis was like, dude, what are you playing, you know? But I was like, okay, I'm gonna free form. So the show has really morphed into something different than Genghis Ragman, I think. I'll get your opinion on this in a second, where the music, I mean, there's life experience, but then there's like this music where I'll bring people on and there's from rap to pop to metal, hardcore metal, to emo screamo, to classic metal, to hair metal, whatever. It's like I'm unleashing any sort of music on the show, except for country. We don't like country here, sir. Uh, but I mean, I'd play it, whatever. But seriously, I think it's like the variety is kind of weird like the, the show that's going on tomorrow which will be a week from now in the past uh there's a lot of different music it's like oh he played this he played that played this it's just a variety so i i like to kind of keep people guessing of what kind of music is going to be on this show it's not just all hard rock metal it's a little bit of everything because i'm bringing in people that have different very tastes well that's what music. i mean so far you brought people on and the, the girl that's the um from the one brewery you like yeah that she did the show and she had some traditional stuff and the you know and uh but she had some other things and you listen and you might like it you might get turned on to it hey steak uh i heard some rapping you got a job for it Oh, yes, yeah, well, if I was in Texas, I'd tell <laughs> got to try to convince my wife. I got business. I got a I'm business gonna go meeting. I'm going to go to Houston. Houston. I got a business meeting. She'd be like, what? You drive a school bus. What meeting do you have? Uh, it's a school bus. Uh, uh, convention. Convention thing. Yeah, convention. convention. Come on, honey. Listen. <laughs> so, that said, I'm going to play something new. Because okay. we played a lot of classic music tonight. Let's do something new. How about some Dayseeker? Okay. And this one's called Homesick. All right. Let's do it. Meet me where the lines burn together. guys i want to thank you for listening every week thank you for your comments i want to thank snake for coming on 
the oldest fan of the Ragman show now because you kind of grandfathered in yes. to the new show. But the oldest uh, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes, yes. So, no, uh, thanks for all the support every week. And Eric, oh, shit, I breached contract. That's okay. Yeah, that's Snake. I lost. I lost. That's okay. <laughs> no, I'm Snake. still famous. They'll know my real name on the internet. I'm sure. I'll yes. Let's say thank you for coming on, man. Thanks and before we let you go, we're going to do something special for everyone tonight. Yes. We're going to give you two big. Oh, what's up? What's up? <laughs>